0: Talk about copyright. Copyright's most fascinating, you you know. It exists for free. It lasts for fifty or seventy years beyond the death of the author. Let's get to this um, uh, this picture taken by a monkey that's been going viral. Um, And just to give listeners some background, a a, a photographer by the name of uh, David Slater. He was uh, photographing some crested black macaques in Indonesia. Uh, according to uh, various sources, he's um, – and, and they differ slightly about whether he actually gave it to the monkey or it, it was hijacked by the monkey. And the monkey, uh, being fairly intelligent animals, started taking selfies, um, numerous selfies, some of which are actually fantastically mm. in-focus pictures of this uh, this monkey and um, those were put on the internet and mm. went viral. And uh, David Slater, of course, is like most photographers. Mm. Well, not most, but many photographers do it as a passion, as a hobby, and they don't make money out of it. Mm. Uh, he was looking to stop uh, this viral production of this selfie monkey on the basis of copyright. And mm. there's no other place in the world that they do this other than in the United States. <laughs> No surprises there. So yeah. um, it's a case of Monkey see, mm. Monkey Sue, as one, uh, yeah. <laughs> one person put it. Um, so tell me now, in, in, who owns the copyright in in that particular photograph? So is it David Slater? Mm-hmm. Is it uh, the monkey himself? Um, what are your comments on? Lita, I'll start with you.
1: That is a big debate, Darren. Mm-hmm. Um, we all have differing views. I think if we just – um, kind of import this into South Africa, and just imagine that this had happened here <laughs> sorry um, if in South Africa generally the author is the owner of the copyright unless there are certain exceptions um now, in this instance. I know you said that, you know, sources say it was hijacked or he gave the camera to the monkey. I think the monkey hijacked. (laughs) I'll go with my own version. Okay. Um, So if the monkey hijacked the uh, camera camera from David, um, you can't say that David commissioned or um you know commission the monkey to take the photograph
0: so you're saying in South Africa if you are the creator of the photograph yeah. in other words the person who took the photograph right you automatically you you're not the owner you it's actually the ownership in South Africa in that in a photograph which is an exception mm. is the person who commissions, commissions. the correct. photograph correct correct so you're saying that David Slater commissioned the monkey therefore he's the owner is that what you're saying what
1: i'm saying is he didn't commission the monkey <laughs> i don't think um, he's the owner of the uh, copyright
2: yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the the debate really is is, can you commission a, a monkey? Can you enter into a formal agreement with a monkey to say, hey, take a picture like this? I'm, you well, they're know, they're
0: quite clever. I mean, I'm quite sure clever, you can just sure. say, Listen, please.
2: no, but
1: they're not human.
2: Yeah, but there has to be some form of consensus. You have to. There has to be an agreement. There has to be a meeting of the minds that okay, the the monkey has the. Camera is going to take a photograph, you know, um, which I don't think is really possible in is, my is view. It, is maybe. it
0: non-extension of you? So that, that monkey is an extension. So if I'm walking down the street, oh, no way. let's <laughs> say I'm walking down the street with my dog. No right? way. And I let it off the leash. The dog goes and bites someone, right? We'll see you. Yeah. They sue me. <laughs> so why am I then responsible for my dog's actions when in, in this particular case, you're saying to me that I the monkey, so. I, I can't claim ownership she, of the no, rights, no. credit to the monkey. Oh, That's about unfair, can. don't you think?
2: I definitely don't think so. It is, I don't rather, know if anyone,
1: can, anyone can, can actually. <laughs> <laughs> now that you've spin a different… Uh, uh, story. I mean, yeah. in the dark scenario, we'll definitely sue you and hold you accountable. Sure. For we know dogs, that. We actually. read that in what's
0: that, The first lesson in law that you yeah. correct, correct. Yes. Yes. This yes. famous yes. dog yes. case. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: So monkeys are different, you think?
1: Yeah, they are, man. But I oh. you really said that they're intelligent, but I don't think they can be owners of copyright. They I can't. But so there's a big there's a case going
0: on mm, right absolutely. now. Absolutely. Mm. In the Ninth Circuit, uh, in the United States, between um, Peter, which is the Uh, organization for the ethical treatment of animals versus I think it's Wikimedia on the Mm -hmm. other side claiming ownership rights of this. And it's, it really has caught people's imagination and there's some credible arguments going Mm. on about whether the uh, the monkey can in fact own the rights or whether David Slater can own the rights, the photographer Mm. or as Wikimedia saying is this, this is in the public. Not owned by anyone. No No. one. So let's say you you are a, a photographer and you, you, you take a picture or you could be anyone you know mm-hmm. you take a picture of your family of your kid a beautiful picture on the swings in the park and you decide to put it up on facebook and someone else takes that photograph um, well let's say two scenarios mm-hmm. let's say someone else takes that photograph and puts it on um, and puts it on suddenly you, s- you see them advertising their pro- their their product using your 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 kid in in the photograph mm. or you you have facebook itself um, allowing uh, it to be reproduced elsewhere, let's say in those those birthday images or videos that they produce. Mm. What what are the legal ramifications around that? I mean, can you go onto the internet and take down a photograph and use it in your uh, in your business, for example, or in your? Let's just also talk about a a an educational. Um, mm. uh, Purpose, really, yeah you know. let's say you go going into a into a seminar and you want to mm. you, you want to illustrate that so let, I don't, let's try to unpack this around the copyright info because mm. this happens all the time yeah. people upload and they download they collaborate they share mm. what is what are you talking about there when you upload let's say to facebook marine
2: okay so ideally when you upload your pictures on facebook there's an agreement that you when once you sign up for facebook you have some sort of agreement with facebook that um anything you upload really belongs to facebook Um, it can be used by facebook in any form really that they want to so it's very important to go through those agreements and just to see what you're actually signing up for okay um whereas in the instance of um for educational purposes you Taking a picture for educational purposes, there is an exception in the Copyright Act that if you're using um, a form of copyright and for for those particular purposes, then it it is generally allowed. But it has to be for fair use. So you have to be, you know, for educational purposes, for research purposes, or perhaps if it's um, uh, for newsworthy current news uh, purposes, then it is uh, um, generally deemed to be okay to be using the the, the material. Um, yeah. So so yeah. In those those instances. Just, instance, just hmm. to add on to. It. Mo is saying, um,
1: as long as you're not using more than what you need to, yeah. you're using it strictly for that purpose. You're not making any money or commercial gain out yeah. of it, and you also just um, credit the author mm. or
0: the owner rather of that copyright in your work. You have to credit, and if you don't know it, I mean, you, you might not always know. <laughs> no <laughs> Unknown, then you say unknown. unknown yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I think um, it's all about being fair, really. I think yeah. there's yeah. A, there's an element of then copyright about being using things fair, so yeah. not being overly, you know, not necessarily making undue profit. There's almost Correct. an element of kind of you know what is the moral compass mm, of the world. Of I mean, and, do, which yeah. is I imagine quite difficult because everything is about now collaboration. Mm. But let's get back to your kid, right? So, I mean, you set it up in a private. You can set your privacy settings on Facebook. Mm. You do give this license to Facebook to use it. Mm. Others can use and share. I mean, apart from the kind of general message, just be careful what you post mm. on, Absolutely. on Facebook. You see this now. You go down to your local shop and you see that picture of your kid being used there. Mm. To what what other rights are you talking about? So there's the rights in the photograph, and you've got
1: your yeah. own privacy, your right to privacy, privacy um, right to dignity, um, your, personal rights, your personal yeah, yeah person personal is it personal rights. personality. personality rights. Right. Yeah, Yeah. that reminds me of the Basasana Kumalo case where she went to a cycle shop um, to go buy some cycle gear and she was just trying out some of the cycle gear in the shop Um, and a person there took a photograph of her and um, she – she didn't authorize them to take the photograph And they started using the photograph in their promotional material um, And she took issue with that so She's um, a ex-Miss South South Africa, prominent businesswoman Very well known, um, quite a highly mm-hmm. Highly um, reputable uh, Personality in South Africa as well um, And she took issue with them Using her photograph without um, Her permission, creating mm-hmm. the impression That she is endorsing these products mm-hmm. Or um, she's associated with Cycle Labs when she wasn't um, And the ground on which um, she uh, uh, Related, took issue with yeah. this was on her personality rights, mm. her rights to privacy, mm. her rights to dignity um and the fact that um you know as someone with this reputation in south africa she uh, portrays herself in a certain way she mm. hadn 't authorized this i mean she was just walking in there um you know to uh, buy cycle mm. um yeah, yeah, and they took these photographs without her authorization.
0: And behaved badly, mm. and then they she sued them and and got a right to mm. stop. Basically. Absolutely, so absolutely. Rights to stop. And and did she make any money out of this? I don't. I don't know. No, no I don't
1: no, remember. No. I don't think
0: so. Okay, I think I, I mean I managed to read the case some time ago. There's they had two different hearings. One one was on the basis of yeah. whether or not mm. there was an infringement of this of the personality rights, and the judge also said they could have used the, you know the, the false endorsement or possibly Correct, yeah, Correct. Case. And then the second one was. Uh, And this was what frequently happens in South Africa is that there is an assessment of the actual damage that's Mm. being caused. Mm. And uh, I think the case then settled at that particular point. But uh, this is the difficulty I think with – just to let listeners know is that in the U.S. you often have cases and there are very um, many of them around the value. And you hear of cases being – people being sued for millions of dollars. Uh, In South Africa, it's not quite the same Mm. simply because the cost of actually – Going through that exercise is mm-hmm. not necessarily worth the value in, mm. that you get in return. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. So one needs to just kind of bear that in mind, I think, if if you ever enforce your rights. But I, we were talking about it earlier. If if someone is out there using your photograph or, mm. or, or using your idea or using your trademark, um, yes, you have to go to court to get it in. That sounds like money to me. Yeah. Do I just sit back and do nothing?
1: No, you have to do something.
0: So how do I do that? How do I fund this exercise? How how do I are there ways in which I can do this for low cost?
1: That is a difficult yeah.
0: question. <laughs> <laughs> But we do it all the time. No, yeah, we do it all, I mean, yeah. So we got the the, the, the pro bono exercise. Yeah, I mean, you doing exactly. stuff for um, Hector Petersons. Uh, the, tell us a bit about yeah. that. This this photograph that was taken, that right. famous photograph in the in the 19, in nineteen seventy six.
2: Nineteen seventy six, yeah, I'm sure. Um,
0: and how's he protecting these rights? And you know, mm. how, how's it working? And is he going to court every single time?
2: Right. Okay. So I'm sure all our listeners will be familiar with the nineteen seventy six Hector Peterson uh, photograph, which was taken by um, the well known photographer Sam and Zima. Um, so you find that in, in most instances, especially around the youth day time every year, you find that a lot of parties are making use of this photograph um, without his authorization, his permission. He uh, owns the copyright in the photograph, and essentially he has the right to make use of it, to reproduce it, to make any adaptations. Those rights belong to him. Um, so in the instance where we find somebody is um, using the photograph without his permission, ideally we start off with sending a letter later, you need to just indicate what are my rights and um, what am I entitled to and what are you not, what are you doing that you shouldn't be doing essentially? Mm -hmm. So that is really the first step in, in in getting in contact with whoever is, is infringing on your um, intellectual property to come and, you know, chat with them, bring them around the table, get them aware. You know, sometimes people don't really know that somebody else owns the intellectual property. So um, ideally this letter is to just get in contact with them and make them aware of, of the, of your rights and, then, um, hopefully that they, and they stop. When, if not, then, then you have to actually just take further steps if, if you can, um, and, and just try and get around that, yeah.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you. Well, what I found as well is that when you do have, um, a letter, lawyer's letter, um, it, it forces people to come around the table mm-hmm. um, A lot of the times you see things being settled out of court um, It's too costly uh, People get really scared They didn't mean to infringe the copyright um, And uh, they just want to stop um, So they, more often than not They will mm-hmm. sign the undertaking um, In some instances you have to go all the way to court
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean we look at our, 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 our caseload And you can assess this by how many People actually go to court Mm and go to actual Mm -hmm. final Mm – there are about, I think, four or five uh, decisions a year in the South African courts dealing with intellectual property. There are – and I would say that that represents about 1% of all intellectual property complaints, uh, meaning that 99% of them are are, are settled Settled. without Mm -hmm. a decision. That Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily mean to go to court. I I think only about – if 10%. If that actually uh, result in papers actually getting mm. filed in court, so I would I would safely say that ninety percent of intellectual prop, uh, property rights uh, conflicts, um, as you rightly pointed out, are settled mm. on that uh, cease and desist letter yes. that you get from a from a from a law firm. Yeah. Um, so I th- I think from a from a practical point of view is to form uh, for an entrepreneur is to form a quite a close nexus with someone who knows mm. uh, a lawyer yes. with one of the intellectual property for, uh, um, firms that can. At least get you to a position of being able to um, tell people about intellectual property rights in a way that's uh, one convincing, obviously legal mm-hmm. as well. And uh, in that way, um, uh, get get what you want, which is yeah. often for them to stop and then some kind of settlement on, on what they do with the goods yeah. and the rebranding mm-hmm. is often often – Quite Part importantly, that they'll never mm. do it again. That they'll never do it again, yeah. and then you've got a contract. That's what you're talking about—an yes. undertaking. It's yes. a little, just a one-page contract telling them what what they can do yeah. in that. So certainly. you're saying ninety percent of, of of cases, or so. Are, I'm saying that, but mm. I mean, you you would agree with me. Yes, yes, certainly. Okay, so the trick there is to do is to do something, uh, not nothing, um, and to, to to really stand up for your rights. Otherwise, yeah. you'll get taken advantage of. Mm. So. Speaking about getting taken advantage of rights we 're talking a lot about traditional knowledge and for and what we 're looking at there is um, uh, rights that um, come from traditional communities, um, many of them are uh, have been in Africa for many 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 years, and have really not uh, used the IP system to protect their rights, all those rights have potentially expired, and what we 've seen is, is many instances uh, large fashion houses or if it' if it 's African fashion or in the pharmaceutical trade where you come in and, 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 and see something that 's working a medicinal treat for uh, in, in a traditional community, in other words, uh, some kind of solution to a problem getting taken and, and money being made elsewhere using mm-hmm. that so mm-hmm. so there has been various forms of what we call traditional knowledge legislation being uh, debated in Parliament on how to protect this. Uh, but existing IP can be used to to do that, and one of which is quite recently using an example, and we'll talk about it in a second, is the Basutu blanket case where an, an overseas fashion house, a very well-known one, Louis Vuitton, is now using images of the Basutu blanket, which are uh, synonymous with the Basutu culture. And uh, selling shirts for thousands, mm. literally thousands, tens of thousands of, mm, yeah. of, of, of dollars. Yeah. Um, and there's no benefit back to the traditional community. Mm. So I'm, I'm going to just before we get onto that, and and, and Maureen, I know you of suit Origins, origin, so I'll let you lead that discussion. Mm-hmm. Let's just quickly go back to the entrepreneurs um, and let's try and identify – um, 10 things or, or important IP considerations may not be 10, but let's think of a list for an entrepreneur of, of what they can do cost effectively to protect their IP or to make sure that their IP uh, supports their business model. So uh, or the considerations that they must uh, take into account. So uh, I'll start with you, let's say, Lita, can you name one? And let's see if we can go around the table.
1: Okay. I think one um, that immediately comes to mind is the first thing, just create an IP register. Um by IP register, it means a list. It can literally be a spreadsheet that you keep in a folder in your computer, listing your different um, intellectual property, uh, whether you've got a brand, you've got a patent, or you've got a design, or whether there's a secret, uh, trade secret or proprietary information. Put that list um, and populate it, update it, uh, make sure that you um, you know you, you're constantly aware of what's valuable in your business. Um, so that you also able to protect it effectively. Okay. So if you can't
0: audit, you can't collect something, you're not going to know it's there. Absolutely. And, and so your IP register, that's one. What would you do? Okay.
2: Um, then I would actually just come and see us, you know, um, just come pop in. Uh, we usually have a like a 30 minute consultation for free where we can just sit with you and go through this list that you've created. Um, and just see how can we go about protecting it? Um, you know, step, step by step, obviously. Um, in some instances, if you find that you have, you know, such um, a lot of IP that you need protection for, you, you know, just take it one step at a time, you know. Um, starting off with your brand, perhaps, um, and just ensuring that you make sure your brand is out there and is protected, and then taking it step by step with, with the other forms of IP.
0: Okay. So you create your register on, uh, I guess you might not know what is protectable mm, because yeah. you're not an IP lawyer or, or you, you're new to the concept. But what you want to do is you, everyone knows their business and what they think is important That's in right. their business. Absolutely. And I guess just establish a register of what you think is important mm. uh, or differentiate your business from another business. Then come speak to an IP lawyer who can, mm. who can help you just form a register and, and give mm. you a budget on what, on what these things cost. So. Again, if mm. if you can have some kind of basic knowledge of the five different forms of IP, and hopefully this podcast will will help oh, them yeah. uh, do that, will Absolutely. help you do that, that that would go as a first start. So, um, and then what else would you say? I mean, let's talk about – you talked about non-disclosure agreements. Mm. Is that – I mean, protecting that novel mm. concept. So I think number three for me would mm. certainly be a non-disclosure um, agreement. Um, and that's what – it's just a basic agreement, but – allows you, when you collaborate with someone else, to set out the rules of the mm. engagement. They're mm. going to give you some information. You're going to give them some information. Mm. You're going to mm. collaborate. But you're both going to treat that information as confidential mm. and agree not to use each other's information right. to, to do that. So those, those are quite important. Mm. Yeah. Just to
2: add on there, Darren, um, you know, we often find that um, we have part uh, someone coming in um, and they need some protection, but they also need funding. So they want to perhaps approach a funding company that can assist them with with protecting the intellectual property. However, the main fear is that there is um, they're afraid that… It's going to be taken away from them. It's going to be stolen. It's going to be, uh, so ideally what, you know, just to just add on what you're saying about non-disclosure agreements, perhaps even if you can, just getting your lawyer to come in with you, take your lawyer to that first meeting. It sets an impression to who you, the party you're speaking with, um, to give, to show them that you're serious about your, your intellectual property and you know what's important to your business and that you are willing to do anything to ensure that it's protected. That already wards them off from even trying to to take advantage of the situation and that gives you a better advantage in my opinion, yeah.
1: Certainly I agree with you, Mo.
2: Um
1: just to speak on something completely different which we also mentioned earlier. Uh, pre-clearance searches i think mm-hmm. those are a mighty must um you, the last thing you want is to start um with a brand um go into market spend hundreds of r- thousands of rands mm-hmm. marketing your product only to get somebody to tell you that mm-hmm. i've got a title deed to this brand you need to stop mm-hmm. um so i would strongly advise doing pre-clearance searches um that gives you an idea as to whether you can use the mark um or not um or whether you c- Likely to get sued by somebody else who's unregistered already.
0: Okay. So I'll just add to that. I think a lot of IPs often created in a collaborative space. Mm-hmm. So sometimes an NDA is appropriate. Sometimes uh, I will say sometimes it's just not. You, know, yeah. just you get there, yeah. you talk. Um, sometimes you don't have the opportunity to send an NDA. So what, what, mm-hmm. what we would devise in that situation, at least in a follow-up email. You yes. Just set the tone of yes. that conversation. By yes. the way, I met with you. It was confidential. Yeah. What yeah. we disclosed was confidential. I'll keep yours. You keep mine. At least that's something, some mm-hmm. kind of record, uh, that, that, that it would be treated as confidential. But it, it, the other thing is, is I guess that IP that 's created outside your business, so we talked about uh, copyright in many instances is by the creator. You commission someone to do your website, you commission someone to do your uh, logo, uh, and I see a commission here, even if you pay for it, um, they will create it unlike a photograph so yeah. a photographs one of those exceptions, um, and so is an employee relationships, so in other words, if I get someone internally in my business to create a website, uh, the business will own the IP yeah. by virtue of them mm. them being in the M- M- an employee but mm. if one goes out externally and gets a logo created for example they're creating what we call an artistic work and, and they will own that logo even Incorrect. if you pay for it mm, yeah. so uh, i guess it's important to realize what's done inside and outside your your, yeah. your organization and then it's a simple assignment agreement mm. to Absolutely. get it back yeah, in I and i guess uh, just in in terms of a tip there is that if you do that initial register which lisa talked about there, right up early Mm. and then go and speak to a lawyer that perhaps Marina said for free for that 30 minutes, I can Mm. tell you where the flashpoints are, where those gaps Mm. are so that you can go about and, and, Mm. and then get protection. You wanted to say something. Uh,
2: Yeah. Just uh, to add on, sorry, just going back to that non-disclosure bit. Um, it's often the question is, okay, what do I put in my non-disclosure? Do I put out, okay, all of, you know, my whole concept, do I just put it out there and then say this is confidential or what do I actually put in there? So ideally you want to put in not too much that it is, that um, it gives um, your whole concept away, but enough to make sure that it's identifiable in the non-disclosure agreement. Um, so even if you say, for example, um, the XYZ concept—you um, don't actually have to say what the XYZ concept mm, is. Mm. Just identify what exactly you're trying to protect and keep confidential. In other words, whoever you pitch to must still need you. Yes, So Don't exclude
1: yourself by putting right. everything out in yes. non disclosure. Yeah,
0: I mean sometimes that's the thing when you when you disclosing, you don't know if this collaboration is going to work. That's correct. You don't want to give away your, uh, you know, your thing, of the, you're yeah. going to lift your skirt, there, mm. so to speak, and then and mm, then it yeah. be so the, the key thing there, I think, they, but they, they, you've got to combat that. Well, you've got to kind of – um yeah, you, you've got to work – say that if you ever have to sue on that right, you mm-hmm. have to have it disclosed in sufficient detail yeah. so that they know what you're talking, talking about. about yeah. So uh, often what happens is actually you go through a step-by-step process. So the X, Y, Z i Z – I'm going to talk to you about the X, Y, Z uh, concept. concept yeah. But when we uh, chat further, I will release further information. Right. Good. Yeah. And, 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 and then you have an opportunity to say, actually, I've – Seen that before or heard that before It's already in the public domain mm. which then Would exclude it from protection mm. So you go in a step by step process and that, that's Often the best way of, yeah. of making Sure that you um, you Don't lift your skirt but still have protection yeah, That's right um, The There are other considerations uh, Just in kind of wrapping up this little Section is it's not All about intellectual property So people come to you and say oh, Fantastic idea you know and mm. I patented This idea and is that the end game? Is intellectual property the end game? Or or what is your advice to entrepreneurs?
2: Well, I would – you want to take that? <laughs> I'll just – yeah, I'll just mention quickly. Um, I think ideally what you want to do as an entrepreneur is you want to educate the public – Okay. Yes, you've got your trademark. Yes, you've got your patent, but you need to be first to market. You need to go out there and um, educate people so that they know your brand and they can recognize your brand. And that gives it value. Um, the reputation that you have in the public is, is quite, it's very important when, when, when people have to decide between your brand and another brand. Um, so ideally you want to go out there and, um, and and put yourself out there in the public as well as um, obviously hard work as well. Um, you want to, you know, make sure that your, your brand is very well known. And um yeah, I think that's, that's essentially my point is just be out there, educate the public, make people aware of your brand. Even if you have protection, you need to still make sure people know about it.
1: You need to make money. That's yeah. why you got into business in the first place. So you use IP to make more money You mm. use IP To attract funders You use IP To show people That hey I've identified Something really valuable In my business And I want you To come on board um, Put money in this And we can make it work mm. um, So you actually Want to identify Intellectual property For the purpose Of using it To create more value For your business That's what will set you Apart from a Joe Soap Who just walks in mm. Asking for funding They can't even tell you What their brand is mm. um, So that's what You want to get to So it's not all about IP But IP is an essential ingredient That helps you To make that money that you actually um, Meant think, to do when you started and we, the business And I think
0: we talk about money in a, in a very wide sense here. We, yeah. What we're talking really about is value So, mm-hmm. absolutely. so you, you, whether it be value, value In the form of a financial sense of actually Making physical hard cash and mm-hmm. profit mm-hmm. Or it could be that you, you Want to just simply preserve uh, a culture just to Say for example you In the mm. Basitic culture You want to make sure That it's preserved The Steve Biko Foundation Do that very well With their Their policies In terms of protecting The image of Of, of the late And great uh, Stephen Biko. A bunch mm. of Stephen Beakers it's, it's, it's actually You want to pre- protected against misuse, not necessarily about making money. Mm. The Mandela Foundation is is quite similar as well. Absolutely. Uh, and, and so there's, there's a kind of uh, the value when you talk about making money, it's actually really, it's, it's a much wider concept mm. about that. And and that's why we have um, getting back to IP Live. So what IP Live is a site for commercializing intellectual property, creating value of on, on that money. And what we want to do is get people to share information and we want to share it in a kind of blog format, hopefully mm. a format that's quite easy to read, easy to understand and an area where we can house information to educate people to do this cost effectively, because people, if they don't know how to, they won't. carry it, mm-hmm. and, 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 and it mm-hmm. and it, it it will eventually perpetuate into an elitist area of the law, which mm. which we don't want to, which we don't want to get. So we've talked about that. We I think just in, in wrapping this up, I, I think there are some considerations to where to house the IP. Uh, what I'm, what we mean by that, very very quickly, is you know you've got a company. Uh, that owns your brand or your owns your innovation or your patent or your design. And that company can be your operating company mm. or you can create a separate company and effectively license it into the operating company. One of the advantages of that is that it, it – um, it allows you not to put your, your main asset at risk, mm. uh, in the operating company. That yeah. might be it. Uh, it might be that you want to take risks in the operating company. It might be an innovation type company. Yeah. You might want to license it out of into other areas of business. So se- often separate mm. ownership is good. And then just very quickly that separate ownership can go overseas as well. Yeah. So you, you can take advantage of, of tax havens, uh, mm. Mauritius, uh, and there's some others. There. Go and see, see Jersey, 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 Jersey. Isle of man. Isle of man. Um, switzerland delaware, delaware. Yeah. all of those who have uh, setups where you you have tax benefits on the ip and mm-hmm. on those royalties going back and through um and the important i think if you if you are looking at a quite technical way of doing it um like that uh, one has to just bear in mind that south africa has exchange control regulations you want to just Lita just briefly Tell us about this
1: Okay so exchange Control regulations Are there to Kind of monitor expor- Exporting of capital or value Outside of South Africa And what that Basically means Is that if you Owned your Intellectual property Locally and now You want to export it And take it to Guernsey, Jersey Or any of those Tax havens Darren just mentioned You would need Special permission From the South African Reserve Bank to do so um, uh, It's not something That's easy to do Because you have To show that Because obviously Value is going out of South Africa, you have to show that some benefit will come to South Africa with you doing that. Um, so preferably, if you know that you, the end goal is to house your intellectual property elsewhere outside of South Africa, you want to do that from the get-go to kind of um, not have to seek the permission of the Reserve Bank.
0: Well, you need to seek it, but the value of the IP is worth very little, so you, you're going you're to get it um, rather than waiting until it's uh, highly valuable, then trying yes, to export yeah. it and then, and then having to pay a huge amount of money mm-hmm. to get it out and um, we're not necessarily encouraging i p just to flood out of the country yeah. <laughs> but but this is this is this is business, and I think people Correct. are there to make a mm. uh, profit and I think that people want to bring that i p back into south Africa i mean yes the or the value back into south Africa mm, in, yeah. in terms of creating um uh, employment opportunities and yes, I guess absolutely. this is something for the government to take into consideration mm. about exchange control. Uh, approval, which they're saying is being relaxed. And we, yes. we're seeing that there are efforts in the recent budget speech that no, it, was, it was being relaxed. Yeah. Um, right. So we talked about housing IP just very briefly. You can house it in a company, you can house it in a joint venture, you can house it. You can co own IP, is that correct? I mean, Maureen, would you Mm. co own IP? What I mean by co own IP, the two individuals who, Mm. uh, you know, let's say it might be your husband and wife Mm. scenario or Uh. you and a business partner who've come up with an idea and and you co own it. Mm. Uh, Would you say that that's the best way to, to? own ip
2: um i think that um not necessarily um you know the, the, a lot of sometimes you know you find that there are a lot of issues especially when uh, there's a fallout between the parties uh question is now who can use the ip you need to get permission from the other party when you're when you have co- co-owned um, ip you need to get permission to make use of the of the ip so I, essentially um that not might not be the best way of of, of co-owning uh, ip rather put in a in a company or in a trust or in another entity um, rather than having a situation where perhaps you can't make use of it because now you can't, you know, discuss with the other party or you can't get permission from the other party. Okay. Also,
1: if um, – sorry, if it's mm-hmm. owned in the name of individuals, if one of them dies yeah. – it gets wrapped up in the, in the state, yeah, um, and it could be some time before it's. And suddenly um,
0: there's an estranged uh, yes. Yes. yeah, yeah, I'll call from somewhere <laughs>
1: <laughs> who had a hand in this. Yeah, you just don't want that kind of drama. <laughs> I raised you. You should <laughs> give it to me. No, just put it in an entity. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay, so we've got that, and then okay, so last two, yeah, let's have a look at uh, patent protection and know-how protection. I mean, these are all and design protection. Well, not so much know-how, but these are all dependent on disclosure. Yeah. yeah. Whether you want to patent it, you want to disclose and get it – and you don't want to disclose, sorry, because then it becomes no longer free and you preclude it from getting patent protection. Same with designs. And at the same time, for know-how protection, you want to make sure that it is not disclosed and become free. So so what would you say a tip for an entrepreneur? If your business is highly patent or know-how-based, what – is a tip that you would say is required um, Basically uh, when, when we talk about that type of innovation
1: I would say uh, building mechanisms in your business um, You know you Have a committee that assesses new ideas that come in uh, That committee can then decide Whether it's something they want to take to the next level To protect either as a patent Or as a design um, Have a register again You know Of um, all that important information Make sure that employees are aware of it. Mm. Um, educate your people. Just have policies. You know, have mm. an intellectual property policy in your business and mm. say, um, this is how we treat new ideas. This mm. is how you reward new ideas. This is the chain of um, command, if you will. If you need your idea to be heard, if you want to see it executed, go to so-and-so. People must know that Darren at Adams & Adams is the new ideas guy. If mm. I go to him, he will take it to the committee. They will invite me to sit down, and then I'll know – um, from that moment Whether they're going to Take um, Go ahead with it or not
0: mm. And I guess you can Incentivize employees In that way So you can either say Okay we are a patenting business So yeah. I'm going to incentivize This, this, em- employ- this employee To mm. innovate for me uh, By giving him The inventor's right On a patent and, and And so um, So that's one way And I guess In keeping it secret Is To uh, is to make sure that internally they are um, that there's some kind of assessment uh, yes. about that person's uh, ability to um, make sure that it's it's uh, correct. It's new. So, um, I mean, that recent case, the McCarthy case versus Vodacom, I'm not going to get into big details on that, but that's an example of someone who's sitting in the accounting team who comes up with a fantastic idea, decides to go and tell it to the boss mm. and uh, is not properly incentivized to it. I mean, as it came out, it appears that the boss took the, took the, the credit for himself. Took yeah. the credit yeah. and yeah. Then there's been a long-standing case about yeah. that. Um, I guess just that case is interesting because it was funded by someone else. Correct. Right. Yeah. So sometimes the funding, you can get external funding and there's a whole lot of information on that. Mm. So, right. And then I think lastly for entrepreneurs is just – you know it's all about really they're trying to use if I all of their resources often doing things on a shoestring, mm-hmm. trying to get their product to market, trying to make do the hard work, trying to get it to sell, trying to make that profit and pivoting on their innovation, not realizing it might work, failing um, where can people get information on IP at no cost and um, we talked about copyrights no cost we talked about know how's no cost we've talked about uh, uh, our team IP live at uh, Adams and Adams in the central office, being prepared, and in the Pretoria office, being prepared to give half an hour's talk to to someone with an idea who wants to know how about how about how to do it um, at no charge. Um, where else can people go to get information quickly and easily on 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 IP?
2: South Africa, you uh, want, you can uh, access um, the Companies and Intellectual Property Office website. That is a nice start place to find information, especially, you know, what is a trademark? What can I trademark? And all the simple, the easy, well, basic questions about, about um, intellectual property. You can visit that website. Alternatively, you can also um, visit the World Intellectual Property organization okay. website, WIPO, uh, the WIPO, WIPO. <laughs> mouthfuls. You can access that. told um. <laughs> you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you can access that, um, the WIPO website as well. Um, can and I you can also go to FRIP. IP. Uh, nice being, blog.
0: it's a blog that's uh, on uh, African IP. I wanted to
2: see that. <laughs> so
1: they will say it. It's a blog that offers information on the latest developments in African IP. Yep. Very informative. Um Yeah. Also, you'll find relevant
0: information mm, there. Mm, okay. Mm. So, and also Adams and Adams have got their own website. Absolutely. Yep. So, they got their own website. Plus, there's IP Live. IP it's Live. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Um, the UK intellectual property office yes, website I find UK very, very IP. valuable. And, and occasionally the, on the The, the USPTO US. as well. Yeah. Just That's be careful US. of the USPTO. Um in terms of ip uh, the us is an island in, yeah. in some mm. respects it's very different to to some of the rules mm. that that exist so our, our ip is b- largely common law based which is in from english, uh, from the english, english law so yeah. stick to those websites as 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 informative advice and, mm. and i think don't be scared to ask questions absolutely um and and there to help so i would go to ip live www.adamsadamsip.com uh, for more information, alternatively, give us a ring in the office and, and chat to one of us uh, on, on any aspects of that.